Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. of glory shall come in. Hallelujah. We have the opportunity to open up the everlasting doors into the presence of God when we walk in with praise, when we worship the Lord, when we come in through prayer, we're walking through the everlasting gates into the presence of the Holy One and the glory of God comes and moves among us and I agree with the singers in the prayer. Oh God, let your glory come and move in this place. That was my prayer, my 15 seconds, Pastor. I prayed for a majestic move of the Spirit of God and that God would do what He wants to do in this house today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Last night, yesterday, I spent hours preparing for today's ministry, and it was really a different type of preparation. I, I'll, I just felt this presence and power and surge of the Holy Ghost in the hotel room, and I was so excited, and I had so much expectation for the morning service in Andover. Not for you. Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but that's what I wanted to share with you about that mo- point, that moment. I don't know why I'm stuttering. I'll get it together here in a minute. God gave me a very specific message for Andover that I've never preached anywhere before. And as I was at home, you can look in my journal and you can see my notes. I had prayed and, and sought the Lord for this service here today. And the Lord said, scrap it. That word that I gave in Andover is not just for that city, although there are certain specifics in every pastoral ministry. But as you said, as an evangelist, as an itinerant traveling minister, the Lord gives messages to his traveling messengers that he wants to give to the church. I don't know if I'll ever preach this message again anywhere else, but God has impressed my heart that this is a word for your district. This is a word for Minnesota. God is doing great things here. He's preparing you. Hallelujah. He has a plan. Isn't it exciting to know that God has a plan and you can be a part of it? I'm so excited about that. And last night, I, I spent so much time. I, did, I said the last thing I wanted to do was write a message. I just wanted to sit there and bask in the things that God was was sharing with me. I just wanted to study. Did you ever just get there? You're like, I don't really want to, I just want to let this stuff talk to me. And that's how I felt yesterday as I prepared for the ministry today. And I believe that that strength and that surge that I felt in the hotel is something that God wants to do in the church today. 
He wants to strengthen his people. He wants to empower his people. He wants you to have an increased expectation. I was just in the hotel and I had to get up on my feet and start walking and praying because I was having an expectation that God was going to do something in the house today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God has a word for this church and this district that includes everyone under the sound of my voice today. Thank you, Lord. Let's just thank him right now. God, I thank you that you're so careful and you're so aware of where each of us is personally, in our local churches, even in our districts. You move, you've positioned us, you did it with the 12 tribes of Israel. You had boundaries and leaders and appointments, and, and there are boundaries and leaders and appointments in this district. And I just declare that the word of God will be established and that the kingdom of God will prosper and grow in the Minnesota district. There is something beautiful happening here. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I usually love to do Bible teaching. It's just in there. It's what I love to do. But I have some examples and stories and analogies to share with you tonight that are biblical in their lesson. In 2007, I was, I had just written a book. First of all, it was a book that nobody wanted they rejected me. They said, no, even the Pentecostal Publishing House, we don't want your book. Who are you? But um, I ended up self-publishing it. My husband and I prayed, and we're like, you know, the Lord told you 10 years ago to write on this subject, and you wrote on it, and we're going to invest in it. And so sometimes you can't just take a no. You got to invest in what God has put in your heart. Because if I had just walked away, I never would have written that first book and I never would have been here with you today. That book opened up a door for me to minister in a local charismatic conference. I was just shocked. It was a worship arts conference and they knew I was apostolic and I knew who they were. And, and we all love the Lord, but we just. Uh, we exercise our faith differently, and they invited me to come and teach at their worship arts conference on the power of purity in worship arts. And I spoke on the subject of surrender to the fire. And I loved what I felt here today. I love how people responded to the presence of God. And when the fire of God comes in, we need to respond. We bring the fire. We bring the power. And I used to, that was my first ministry was praise singing. And, and I believe that if God puts it on your heart to kneel down right in the middle of the worship service, even if you're the soloist, if whatever God has called you to do, that you, we need to surrender to the fire. Be obedient, not just in worship, but in all of life. If he speaks, we need to obey. So my studies in preparation to speak led me to this story that I originally researched for that event a long time ago. Maybe I'm telling you this because a couple other people have dared to use my example since then. <laughs> this was mine a long time ago. I dug it out. God spoke to my heart. What I want to tell you before I tell you the story 
before we go to the Word of God, is what God impressed me for and over and for you tonight. If you can put up that first slide. The story that I'm going to tell you took place at a, in Montana. In Montana, there's uh, the Missouri River runs through there. You know, the Missouri River starts in Missouri. And you know where Montana is. That's like far away from Missouri. And so there's this one little stretch in this huge long river that gets its own little name. And it's called the Gates of the Mountain. And I was like, what is that, the Gates of the Mountain? Why is that little five-mile stretch so significant. And, and I, I had the opportunity in 2019, I preached the Montana Ladies District, and I did not know it. I preached on Pentecost Sunday, and I, and I referenced this story, and the pastor's wife said, we're taking you there tomorrow. And I was like, you're kidding me. They didn't even know I was going to speak on this story. And so they arranged for this tour and we got on a boat and we went through the, the, the river here. What is so different about this place? Well, it got its name from Lewis and Clark Expedition. Anybody remember your history books? 1805, Lewis and Clark, they started their big exploration. Well, they came to this place near Helena, Montana, at this place that is now called the Gates of the River, and they were traveling by boat. And, you know, sometimes life is easy. Even you, when you're going upstream, sometimes it's not that hard. They had these canoes, and they had these poles, and they just pushed themselves up the river. But then they got to this place in the river, Pastor. <laughs> Everything was going along just fine. But then the ground, the, the water got too deep and their poles wouldn't work anymore. So they had to haul out the oars and start paddling up the stream. And they couldn't go onto the bank and rest because it was, there was no place to land. It was really rocky terrain there. And then the worst thing happened. They believed they came to the end of the river at this place. They were paddling, and you know how rivers, they do this. Well, they turned the bend, and then, boom, there was boulders, and you could not go any further, or so they thought. They continued, Pastor, even though it looked like there was no open passage ahead. They continued to row, and they continued to go forward on their exploration and accomplish their mission. And as they drew near, see the opening in the picture? What looked like a gate, because I'll show you in another slide, when you were far away, those two pieces, and at the wrong angle, they were closed. But when you got near to the place when you continued pursuing what you've been called to do, even though you don't see the way, the way maker makes the way. Hallelujah. If you can put up slide three, I want them to see. You can kind of see here on the right. That's what it looked like. There was, that's not the best picture, but I couldn't find a great one online. But over here on the right, you can kind of see the gates are closed, and then you get closer, you move position, and they open up. 
And this, the Lord impressed me to share with the church in Minnesota today that maybe things have gotten a little harder than you expected them to be as you are going forward on your journey, Pastor. Maybe the canoe, you can't just push the pole and it doesn't come as easy as it used to. Maybe you've got to pull out the oars and do it the hard way and you don't see what's ahead and you don't know the way that's going to be open before you. But if Jesus says, keep going, press on, go forward, the way maker is going to show you the way is open. Hallelujah. God is telling his church today that the gates are open and the river is flowing. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful? Hallelujah. Oh God, thank you for the openings that we never even see. God, give us eyes to see and give us hearts to obey your voice and follow the direction and the leading of your spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It takes trust. They could have just turned around and went back. Did you ever feel like that? (laughs) I've felt like that before, if you want to be honest. You know, I've had just about enough of this. I could just turn my canoe around. And you know what? I wouldn't even have to work. The current would just take me back to where I was before. But I don't want to go back to where I was before. Do you want to go back to where you were before? No, it's going to take effort. It's going to take following the voice of God. And as you go forward in his word and his will, he's going to show you. And he's going to open up the way. I know that it takes trust. And I know that it's hard, especially for the leaders. You're responsible. You're going to run all these people smack dab to a dead end wall. (laughs) We don't want to do that. We want to see people uh, move into the glory. And the thing is, when they moved around these these boulders that looked like walls, and that's why they called them gates, because as they got near, they, as you can just imagine, they're in their canoe. And they're gliding closer. And as they get closer, the gates are doing this. Gliding, these giant gates, gliding open. And so they would get there and they they would think it was the end, but the gate would be open. And they would saw on the other side of this five-mile passage, the Rocky Mountains. It was the gate to the Rocky Mountains. They've never seen them before. You know, we've seen them. We've got aerial pictures. We've got postcards. Somebody went there on vacation and brought you the t-shirt. We know what it looks like. They had never seen this. If you look at their journals, Lewis Merriweather, Merriweather Lewis said that they had never seen anything like it. And pastor, I believe that you're going to go and you're going to see things that you've never seen before. You've never seen anything like it here in Mankato, what God is expecting to do among his people. Hallelujah. I have expectation. I believe in the word and the the message of the Lord that he impressed me today. I've never shared this anywhere else. This part of this message, this is for you. This is for you. 
Hallelujah. But as I was saying, I know that it takes trust. And all of us can probably think of a time when we were facing the boulders and we had no idea how we were going to get out of this trap. I don't know what your boulders are, but they're there. And they're real, even if they're just in your mind. And so I experienced a time in my own life when uh, I was facing some boulders. I didn't even know it yet. Four days before a tragedy struck my family, the Lord gave me a dream. And I will share the dream because it relates to what's happening here today. Because, Pastor, God wants to move in the gifts of the Spirit. God wants to release the demonstration. We're talking about show us your glory. His glory isn't just sparkling lights and feelings of love, sweet love. His glory is the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. His glory is seeing people going down in the waters of baptism and coming up looking like a different person because their countenance has been changed. To see his glory in the earth is seeing lives set free from addiction and bondages. We want to see the glory of God. Hallelujah. And so we've got to believe in the word of God and we've got to follow the direction of God. We've got to hear the voice of God and we've got to move forward wherever the river is flowing, wherever he's telling us to go, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's scary. God wants to do a work in these days, and it's going to take some confidence and some courage, some resolve, but most of all, trust. Do you trust Jesus? So in 1996... I've been married for six years to a wonderful man named Pete. I called him my Petey Pie. <laughs> he loved me. He treated me like Cinderella. He waited a long time for me to come out of the cocktail bar and come into the church. He was a pure man, and he was a good man, and he was a holy man, and he waited for me. And then he treated me like Cinderella. And we had a beautiful home, beautiful children, two beautiful children, both in ministry, involved in the church. And one day, something happened that changed all of that. But the four days before, God gave me a dream, and he He had me and Pete on one of these Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner cartoon mountains. You know, I kind of am talking about like only one car, no side rails, and there's really no way down. I don't know why people get on those roads if there's no way back down. (laughs) And so in the dream, he's driving. We're just tooling along if you really want to know. We were in a white aluminum minivan, which he happened to work on at GM headquarters. Crazy the things you remember about your dreams. And so as we were driving up the mountain, he started having pain. 
And you know how it is. You start working on your plumbing in your house, and you lean just so on the, under the sink, and you get a little back pain. And he thought he just had a little back pain. But it turned out to be more. In the dream, the pain became more severe and more severe. And I, had to, I asked him, can I, can I drive for you? Can, can, I, can I drive? Are you okay? And he's like, I'm okay. But finally it got too bad. And, you know, we were on that road and there was no way to get out. And so we finagled in the car and, and I, I started driving. And as I was driving, I was praying. I was like, oh, God, you got to show me the way off of this mountain. My husband is in pain and it's growing worse. And, and here we are. We're stuck and there's no way off this mountain, and, and he showed me a, a curtain of greenery on a cliff, and he said, drive through there. Oh, sure, that's a great idea. Is there a boulder on the other side? Is there a cliff on the other side? Are we going to just dive head first down the mountain? And God said, trust me. And so I said, okay, God. I didn't have any alternative, really. <laughs> and I trusted him, and we drove through, and it was the pathway down the mountain. I didn't even know it was there, kind of like the gates. Didn't even know it was there, but I trusted the voice of the Lord in this challenging situation, and, and I, we got down to the bottom of the mountain, and, and I was like, we stopped, and I put the car into park. I was like, thank you, Jesus, and I turned and looked in the passenger seat, and my husband was gone, and four days later, he picked up our 10-month-old child, and his spinal column collapsed because he had stage four cancer, and it had eaten holes in his back and life changed and through it all God said trust me trust me and he took care of me and he took care of our kids and he chose to take Pete and I, I wish I had time to tell you all the miracles and the, the joys that we experienced through all of the challenges because People only see the tragedy and the pain and the loss. And I stand here today to tell you that God answered many prayers. That God did miracles and that God gave my husband the desires of his heart. He wanted to see his children raised. He wanted to live. But God gave him the spiritual desires of his heart and prepared him for a holy journey. Hallelujah. And so I thank God today. And I tell you that very personal story to let you know that I know what it's like when you're facing the boulders and you don't know where you're going to go. And, and God says, go there. And you're like, what are you talking about? God wants us to trust him. And you can trust him. If you can't trust God, I'll just tell you like it is. You don't have a relationship with God. Not a real one. We've got to trust him. He has our best interest at heart always. Hallelujah. So I had this big Bible study to share with you, and the Lord is saying, no, don't go there. 
So we're not going there. I want to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just pray for a minute. God, we seek your direction for the remainder of this service. You have a work that you had in mind. You set our boat in the water, and you pointed the rudder in this direction, and we just give you absolute control on how you want to move through the rest of this service. God, we're trusting you today. Right now, we're welcoming you to move and have your way. However you do what needs to be done, we say, yes, Lord, right now, have your way among us. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Ezekiel had a vision of the temple of God and from the temple of God. He had two visions of the temple of God. And the first vision that we really like to talk about is the vision of the water coming out of the temple of God. But did you know that he also had a vision of a stream of fire? Or Daniel wrote about it, the stream of fire that comes from the throne of God. There are rivers flowing, rivers of living waters, and rivers of purifying fires. Right now, you and I have the opportunity to access the throne of God from whence those streams are coming and receive the cleansing and the renewing and the life that he's offering us. Because there's going to come a day when he's going to stop the march of time. There's going to be a time when the curtain is pulled back and you and I can see what's going on right now in heaven. There's going to be a time when we're going to face that throne and it depends on what we do right here and right now if we're going to face the mercy seat, if we're going to face the throne of grace or if we're going to face the judgment seat because the fire is going to flow from the throne of God and so we need to have the fire right here and right now and we need to have the cleansing of the waters of life. Jesus came so that we could be baptized with water and with fire. And I remember him saying in the scripture, I wish the day had already come. Ooh, he is ready. He is ready to take his bride. Hallelujah. Are you ready to go? Hallelujah. I want to go. I want to be ready. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's a fire. And sometimes we think fire is, is bad, but fire is good. In 2013, I was standing on the platform in worship at my church right about here because this is my spot. If you ever tune in or watch an old one. They had an oldie Sunday the other day, and I actually sang because I'm an oldie. These new songs have way too many words. Can't keep it in there. They just fall out. I can't keep it in there. But so when they had an oldie Sunday and I happened to be home, I was standing in my spot. The Lord speaks to me in that spot. I should get back on the schedule more often. Oh, my word. But as we were 
having a still quiet moment before a tongues and interpretation came, I saw a vision of a river flowing in the house of God. The water was moving across the sanctuary. And then the word that came forth and the message that was spoken confirmed the vision. And the Lord spoke to me and said, there's a river of mercy in the house of God. There's a river of mercy that's flowing right now in the house of God. My friend, my brother, my sister, guest, first-time visitor, whoever you are, the gate is open and the river is flowing. And it's a river of mercy right now. But there's going to come a day when we're facing a river that may be judgment. And so it's so important how we respond to this beautiful invitation from the Holy Ghost. God of heaven. Hallelujah. And I have to say that as I saw that river, you know, you're on the platform and you're like, all those people need to come jump in the river. And the Lord was like, oh, the platform needs to jump in first. If you're on the platform, you have access and you have equal need to the river of mercy that's flowing in the house of God. But every member, every person in the room, you have access. You have opportunity to come to the waters. In 1997, after I buried my husband, General Conference came to Detroit that year. And I went forward to the altar to pray. And I don't remember what song they were singing. Something about the goodness of God. It's everlasting. One of those songs. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Okay, you buried your husband. How good are you, God? He is good. His mercy endures forever. And I went to the altar, and as I was there, I felt water at my ankles. And I just started doing this. I was like, I'd not danced in church in a long time. And I was there, and I felt the water in the altar. And I was just, he's, he's good all the time. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good when life doesn't work out the way you expected. He's good. And I splashed in the water and I felt the joy of the Lord and I was refreshed in the spirit. If you've never come to the throne room, if you've never come to the river, If you've never been washed in the waters of salvation, if you need a renewing in the Holy Ghost, the Lord is here today. He's made a way. The gate is open, but there will come a day when it is closed. The river is flowing now, and we have access to the throne of grace, or we're going to be drug to the throne of judgment. I'm not usually a judgment preacher, but it's in the book. Hallelujah. And so I'm going to close with the story that I talked to you about earlier today after I get a drink. The reason that this location was important to me 
was because of what happened there in 1945. I heard the story. They've called it the greatest fire story ever told. But I heard there is another book out there called The Greatest Story Ever Told. <laughs> and I believe in this is the greatest story ever told. But I want to tell you about the greatest fire story ever told. In 1945, right at the beginning of the gateway to the mountains, um, something happened. But i got to give you a little bit of background because I didn't know this and you might not either. So I want us to all be on the same page. Have you ever heard of a smoke jumper? Smoke jumpers are specially trained firefighters who parachute into areas where the vehicles can't land. And so they fly them over and drop them onto the fire. <laughs> Not right exactly, but nearby. And then they parachute in their equipment and tools to fight the fire. So in 1945, on a very hot day, hottest day on record, 97 degrees, and with turbulent winds, lightning struck Man Gulch and a fire ignited, and a team of 15 smoke jumpers were sent to take care of what they thought was going to be, they call them a 10 o'clock fire. We'll be done by 10 o'clock. But things quickly got out of hand, and we know that can happen. They could see the fire burning on the ridge further down the Missouri River, and their foreman dropped in charge of these 15 men. He instructed them to move off of the front of the fire and go down the gulch. And the reason that he did that was because he wanted to flank the fire and steer it in the direction where there was less fuel so that it would burn off, because you have to have fuel for a fire, right? Where it struck, there were trees. And trees take a long time to burn, and trees don't burn as fast. But on one side of the gulch were trees. And on the other side of the gulch were tall, dry grasses. Nobody knew it, but the fire had jumped the gulch. And everything changed in a moment. The foreman, Wagner Dodge, and isn't that a great name, Wagner Dodge, <laughs> Wagner Dodge, he saw that the smoke was starting to boil. I don't know a lot about firefighting, but boiling smoke kind of sounds scary to me. And he decided he better get his men out of there as quickly as possible. And he discovered that the fire had jumped the gulch and blew up on the grasses and was running down the gulch. But remember how I showed, told you about the ridges and the cliffs and they couldn't see it. They didn't know how close the fire was. They didn't know. And they continued moving toward the fire. And there are people among us today that are moving close to a burning fire. And they don't know how close the end could be if they don't follow the voice of their leader. So Dodge, who was ahead of them, at first he told him, hey, drop your tools and run. And then he realized this is never going to work. This fire is a few hundred feet away. We are going to die. And so he told the men he wanted to do something that had never been done before. It's now standard practice in firefighting. But it had never been done. I don't know how he thought to do it. But as I thought about what he did... 
And I thought about what Jesus has done. And I'm taking a class at UGST right now, and we're talking about the foolishness of preaching and the foolishness of the cross and how it doesn't make any sense. And why would somebody want to follow a leader who's getting nailed to a cross with their body stripped and beaten and a crown of thorns on their head? Why would anybody want to follow somebody that was despised and rejected and shamed like that? It doesn't make any sense that that could be the king of kings. But it was. And it is. And he's the risen Savior. And he came and he made a way for you and for me. And so Wagner Dodge, he took a match and he lit a fire in the grass. He punched a hole in the fire with fire. Let me say that again. He punched a hole in the fire with fire. And he told the men, come this way and lay down in the fire with me and you'll be saved. But they either didn't hear because the noise of the fire was so loud or they were so frightened or it just seemed foolish. Or they could have just been scared to death. But Wagner Dodge put his hood up over his head, laid down in the fire, and the fire parted around him like the Red Sea and passed over him because all of the grass was already consumed and there was no fuel. And this reminds me of the Word of God. You know, Satan, Jesus said, Satan has nothing in me. There's nothing in Jesus. So Satan could have access to him. It just popped in my head. If you can connect the dots, connect them. I want to move on. Jesus made the way. And Wagner Dodge made this foolish, crazy way. And when he stood up just a few minutes later, he rose up out of the ashes unharmed. Not burnt at all. He rose up out of the ashes of this crazy, foolish escape fire, and he lived. And he survived when all the other men died, except for two who coincidentally found refuge in the cleft of a rock. That is the true story of the Mangulch fire, and that is where I went and I picked up this very special pine cone on that day. It haunts me, this story. It haunts me that Jesus Christ has made the escape fire, that people are running towards destruction, and they either don't see it or they don't know it or they don't know how to respond or they don't trust the message or the messenger. There's a way that's been made. And there's a fire that's burning. And we've got to have the flame of the fire from the throne of God now to escape that fire. 
And God wants to equip us to move in the supernatural so that we can help those that are running in the wrong direction. So that we can bring that joy of the demonstration of the kingdom of God from heaven to earth. That is the desire of the Holy Ghost today, to see his church equipped, to see your spiritual eyes open, to see your heart inspired and encouraged to go forward and to obey and to follow the voice and the leading of the Spirit, even when you only see boulders all around, even when the rowing gets hard. Pastor, we got to do this thing. Hallelujah. I invite you to stand with me today. I invite the musicians and singers to come, and I'm asking you, if you need to visit the water, the stream that flows in the altar in the house of God, it's a river of peace. There's a river of mercy. There's a river of grace. It's a river with healing and nutrients. It's a river that moves and dislodges the debris of the lies and the issues of our heart that need to be cleansed and removed. It's a river that brings hope and invigoration and cleansing and refreshing. It's the presence of God. We've got to get in the presence of God. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and enter into the everlasting throne room of the Almighty God. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Wherever you're at today, maybe this is your first service. Maybe you've been here a million years. We all need a refreshing of the presence of the Lord. And God is here to move. He's here to inspire. He's here to encourage. He's here to strengthen. He's here to demonstrate His glory even now. To meet the needs of His people. Hallelujah. If you want to join me in the altar, in the stream, in the presence of God, I invite you to come forward right now. This is an invitation from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to come into that place. And we come with expectation today, Lord. We thank you for meeting us here today. We worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords. You have given us your word. You have a work that you are doing. The gates are open for the Minnesota district, and God is wanting to do a new work. And so we've got to get ourselves in the flow of what you're doing today, right now. We bring ourselves into the flow of your presence. Oh, how we love your presence. God, I'm asking you to minister to the needs of these precious people. I'm asking you to release encouragement. I'm asking you to cleanse, heal, forgive, restore, renew. Speak life and speak light. In the precious name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Have your way, oh God, today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.